Seth, you live. Yes. How you doing, man? Hanging in there. Shall we dive right into air? Yeah, let's 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 get into air. All right, <laughs> I'll kind of stop. Three, two, one. Hello, everybody. Today you have Jake and Seth, and we are discussing the 2023 film Air, directed by Ben Affleck, starring Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Jason Bateman, Marlon Wayans, Chris Messina, Chris Tucker, and Viola Davis. The film Air, quote unquote, according to the legend. It is about Nike's courtship of Michael Jordan and how they were able basically build the shoot around him. Um, and I'm going to leave it at that. Although I will say this film was made for a budget of 70 million. It was made by 70 to 90 million. It was made by Amazon. Um, it originally just supposed to be for Amazon, but it was screening so well that they ended up deciding to put it in the theaters and it made 90 million or it's made 88 and counting. Uh, at the box office, which is pretty great. I know, as everyone heard, that is less than the budget of 70, that's or does not a lot against the budget of 70 to 90 million. Just want to note, it's not the normal economics here because it's Amazon. So basically, by putting it in theaters, they made their money back. They were never going to put this in theaters. So the fact they made any money in the box office is quote unquote good. They're making more money than they would have. Nobody cares. I'm going to move on. Um, Seth, what were your thoughts? Oh, wait, one last thing. It's been really well received. Has ninety two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Other some Oscar buzz, um, which I think is actually pretty pretty valid or pretty fair. Um, I like the film. And I'm gonna leave it at that. Now, for real, Seth, throwing it to you. Thoughts? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, anytime uh, I can get the Goodwill Hunting duo back together, I'm always ha- kind of happy about it. Um, I will say, I think Affleck is a better director than he is an actor, even though I do think he is a solid actor. Um, but I, I was kind of looking at his directorial movies and I was like, you know, this guy is like, he's pretty solid. Like his batting average when he directs is actually like really good. Um, and so I kind of wondered, I was like, maybe he really should just be kind of like more on the creative side and directing. He is a very charismatic actor. Um, and like, you know, obviously he's had a lot of ups and downs in his career, continues to, has a lot of, you know, I mean, even if you look at his love life, has marriages back with JLo at the moment um I think I'm always gonna have an interest but like in Affleck and Damon and as the two of them as a duo um I thought the movie was solid um I actually thought the best parts of the movie were the 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 scenes between the two of them especially when Damon like goes up into the office of the CEO and kind of like you know mm-hmm. explains to him his strategies and what he wants the money that he needs you know what his role is in the company. And so I thought those scenes were really good. I think too, I mean, you're talking about two guys that like have known each other for what, 30, 40 years. Um, and so I think it makes sense that they have really good chemistry, but I just, I just liked, uh, again, I liked the acting in those scenes. I think the two of them really know how to kind of go at each other in an interesting way. And so I, you know, going into it, I wasn't quite sure how it was going to play. Um, I think what the movie was missing actually um, was like a female element. Um, there's no love interest for any of these characters. Um, at one point, Bateman kind of mentions that he's got like an ex-wife and a daughter he's trying to take care of, but you don't even see those characters. Um, at no point does Damon kind of like go home to his girlfriend and like, you know, have any kind of like 
situation. Um, again, like I, I just thought, even if it was like an inner office romance or something that was happening, I thought there needed to be. Uh, again, I know it's a movie about like businessmen and sports and like agents and and a shoe, but like I just I was like, man, that was a very like guy. It was too much dudes for me, and I, I realized there was no like kind of other like ro romantic interest like happening. And even though that might sound cliched, like especially in a writer's room, like there's a reason you want that character there because it brings another element to the movie and like ups the stakes in terms of like you know people's emotions and also like if it is a success or not. And so I would I would have tried to find a way to get like a female love interest, probably for the Damon character. Yeah, I was just thinking, was Sunny married? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> they never show him like talking to his wife or anything. It's funny you say that. My first thought after watching this film, and we've talked about this, it reminded me a lot of Ford versus Ferrari, and also actually yeah. reminded me of Tetris a good amount. It, like it's yeah. like a film that you don't see. It's a business, basically a business film. That sounds silly. It makes it sound so boring, but it's a film about business or industry, and it's. I like this film. We talked about these type of films. Also, like the the guys film, older guys. Yeah. When I say that, it, it's two pronged. We get tons of guys only movies, but like this is old fashioned in two two, two senses of the word. One, as you said, it's a sausage fest, which <laughs> is not fun. Like even from yeah, hey, we're two white. And guys. I like most of the guys. Like I like them. Yeah. yeah, like I like these guys. Yeah, and even like it's not only just white guys. Like they have like Chris Tucker in there. Like there's yes. and they have um, Marlon Wayans. Like there's some like there's a person. It's boring. It's a sausage fest. It's boring. And the other thing, <laughs> but the good way is. To have like a dialogue driven, like story focused movie, like it's the and that actually like says something about the story and something larger. I think there's like overall a message about America and like not I mean that might be being too deep into it, but Michael Jordan, what he meant to America, like what his greatness meant to America, how they were able to like as without. I mean, Sonny says it, everyone else just gets to touch it. We all just get get to glimpse it, and um, I I like it. Um, I like that. I think there, I like the film. I like that there's buzz. I like that Amazon is making this type of film. This might actually be one of the, one of, if not the best streamer film, like actually made by a streamer. Um, I'm trying to think, I'm sure that's not fair. I'll, I'll need to go through the list, but it's definitely one of the best streamer produced films I've seen. Yeah. I thought it was a good one. I mean, yeah, there are, I mean, Netflix has had some that have been up for awards and stuff. Um, I haven't seen. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the ones I have. Seen. Actually, that's not fair. The one we saw. I mean, we've with, seen uh, like, like what's that? That was great. The one we saw Noah Baumbach directed. The one with uh, oh, the Marriage Story. Yeah, that was actually uh, a great film. The Irishman's another one. I, I mean, I know that we weren't huge on it, but there, I know a lot of people that were really big on that movie. Um, there's other. I mean, Roma was another movie. Was it Peron or one of those uh, directors? Hey, I said it was top. I only said it was top. I didn't say it was the best. They just said yeah. it was uh, among the best. Um, but I like I again like I think if you compare it to a lot of other streamers, this is probably high, higher quality than most. Um, and like even like I, one of the characters I like too is the Chris Messina character who plays David Falk, who's Jordan's agent, who's kind of like a legendary figure in sports. Um, and like I thought, oh, is he? I didn't know that. Tell me, tell me more. I wasn't. I liked it. so I loved it. I thought the movie really buzzed when he, at first. At yeah. first, like the first scene with him where Matt Damon's laughing the whole time, I, I thought he was great, but I was a little bit like, I didn't really like Damon's performance, but as it went on, I, I loved it. I felt like Matt Damon just couldn't stop laughing. Like, I don't, I don't know if he actually heard him, but Chris Messina, like, 
whatever the what's it the Dame, the Dion Waiters award that they give right, right. him so like I'm sorry trademark infringement but like he won he wins every award like I, like he was incredible in this song I think he, yeah I thought he was really good yeah yeah and I mean yeah I mean he's he's the villain of, he's the villain uh, yeah and like he's always been known as like I, I feel like he's kind of like the original super agent right where it's like you know I think Scott Boris came around a few years later in, in baseball and stuff um but like you know that like Jerry Maguire, I think, is partially based on on, uh, on David Falk, and so he's just one of those guys. And like you know, the fact that he had Jordan, I don't think he was quite what he was until like the Jordan stuff really started taking off. Um, but you're right, like I, you know, those scenes with him and Damon are funny scenes. And like I, w- when he's on the screen, um, you're kind of having fun as a viewer, where you're like, what's going to come out of this guy's mouth, you know, next? And I thought that was good stuff, you know. Um, so. I just want to quickly note my favorite thing about Falk was when they were talking about Adidas and Sonny Vaccaro was trash talking <laughs> the, the uh, <laughs> and I'm I'm laughing I I am not Jewish but my wife is Jewish but like <laughs> that David Fox is also Jewish but he's like giving cover to Adi and like <laughs> the guy Adolf who was I don't know if you I don't know if he's actually I'm sure he was a fine gentleman as he got older but it was just was funny like. I again, one of the few groups I feel like is white people were allowed to make fun of our Germans. We love you, Germans. I'm a little German too. Um, but it was just I, the, the David Falk being like, ah, oh, like, don't worry about it. Like, it's he was a sweet old man. Like, don't we all got a pass? It, it was, it was, it was funny. And I, um, I don't say that lightly. Like, I, I do know it's a serious topic, but I thought the that way they, good, I agree. Was, I thought that that was funny stuff. Um, I did think the movie did a good job illustrating, like, what the actual sort of like climate was of shoe companies at the time. And like the fact that Converse had Larry Bird and Magic Johnson already. Um, and like Adidas had this kind of like street cred, right. You know, stuff like run DMC and stuff like that. And so it like the fact that Nike was the underdog going into the situation. Um, and then like where it was able to kind of swoop this deal and like hit, you know, they kind of set up Sonny as this guy who's a gambler. Like they show him playing craps and stuff, and like he takes big swings. But the fact that he, they're able to hit on that and then like overtake those companies and like even buy up Converse um, in the early '90s, I think it's like it's pretty amazing. Like honestly, like for for it to be 1984 and Converse has Magic and Larry and a bunch of other stars, and for them to just be kind of like done by the early '90s, like that's a crazy change just because of, of you know this one signing of the thing and also like the branding of it too the fact that they created a like a sub brand inside of nike for jordan to have his own shoe and create this uniqueness and iconography like all of that i think in terms of like business and marketing was like really revolutionary um and then everybody copied that like if you once the 90s hit like you know Shaq had a shoe and barkley had a shoe and iverson had a shoe and like everybody had their own shoes from that point on but it's like that that change, I think, in the business was like, you know, I thought well, they, they showed that well in the movie. I thought they did. I agree. I think they did a really good job of also explaining it and making it like approachable and like digestible for the fan. I think they did it most in the best job with the actual designer. I came not whoever yeah. the actor is. He was incredible. But yeah, like the like way they described it, like basically the fundamental change of philosophy was the the players aren't representing they're not like a corporate sponsor or corporate emblem of the shoe. 
the shoes right. are going to be physical manifestations or representations of that player's style or identity. The the um, which uh, and then around that, obviously the the, ex- the explosion. To your point, and you mentioned this, it's about the player. You build around yeah. the player. You build around his personality. You build around the player. Does it help that the first person they ever chose to do this? was the greatest athlete of all time. Yes. Um, and like not, and this is, I, I'm going to make this connection. I'm going to make it lightly. And it, I guess there's only, I guess I can only say that. Um, it reminds me a little bit of like Jackie Robinson. Like I know there's a ton of racial overtones there. I just mean in the sense that the, fir- like Jackie Robinson was the first person they tried integration with. And he happened to also be like the best player of his generation. Like it was the right decision. It's like, how often is the first also the best? And like, yeah. it's so rare. And like, that's magic. Like when that happens, it's, I'd like to, and I say that term loosely, but we'll call it fate, call it coincidence. It's magic. Like when the first person is the best, it's, and like, that's literally what changes sports. And like, right. not, yeah. this is not to get too dramatic, but America's really, it also changes the countries in other ways. And I'm not, again, I don't, I'm not going to compare like Air Jordan to desegregation, but at the same time, like there are other elements there that are play where it's basically like giving power away from organizations or traditional institutions and giving it to people. And like, that sounds crazy, but you were talking about the shoe Air Jordan that it's $4 billion a year for Nike. And they said it's $400 million a year for, for Michael Jordan. Granted that's one person, but his family's getting that. And like the idea that think about the fact that he, I, so he gets 10% of that. The fact that he only gets 10% is also kind of crazy. Like he shouldn't be probably getting more. Um, but I'm, well, I'm, I mean, they, they did a good, I mean, they did a good job too. You know, Viola Davis playing his mom. That was the one demand I heard that Jordan made when Affleck approached him about the movie was that he wanted Viola Davis to play his mom, which is Thankfully, they were able to do that because she's a great actress. And I know that I mentioned that there are no women in the in the movie. I meant to say there were no romantic, I guess, interests in the movie. But Viola yeah, Davis is very good. It's funny. I knew exactly what you meant. But Viola Davis is incredible. And also, I think, and I'm not saying this like flippantly, I do think she could be in every movie. Like she, she's an incredible. I, I actually like. I really love her. I've seen the Woman King recently. Like she's amazing. Like she can hit yeah. any level. If acting's a piano, she can hit every key. Like she, I really do love her. I think she's incredible. I think she's going to be like one of these people. Like in twenty years, they're going to be like, why didn't people realize how great she was? Like, and people realize it, but not really. Okay, I love Viola. Agree. Yeah. No. Agree. Like she again, huge range, great actress. I think she could play almost any part. You're right. Um, but I, and, I do think she did a good job illustrating as the mom. You know we would they wanted a piece of the pie right and that was the real deal breaker when it came between like adidas and converse and nike it wasn't so like it really wasn't about the individuality of the shoe and what they were going to do building it around jordan it really came down to the fact that she wanted royalties for every shoe that was sold and that was something that again like nobody had done a deal like that and to risk that on some you know somebody that hasn't been drafted yet right like he's still a kid coming out of college still is teens it's like to be that sure about somebody again that's a huge gamble for a big company when i mean again nike like i know they're in in third and of these shoe companies but like still multi you know hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue with jogging shoes this is post the steve prefontaine era um and so they were a big company and so to, to still make that kind of risk on somebody like that i think that's a big thing too but also i mean 
for the mom to kind of like have the foresight that the like, hey, we're gonna need we're gonna need that royalty on every shoe sold. That's a ballsy thing to ask for. Um, and I think like they very easily could have lost the deal over that, right? Like I, you know, I think a lot of a lot of companies would have stalled out right there. Well, it's interesting because uh, David Falk at the end mentioned that Adidas and Converse never would have went for that. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting. So I thought it was, I mean, we could talk about the negotiation. Ultimately, it wasn't about the pitch. It wasn't about Sonny Vaccaro's like great, and that was a great speech he gives. It was about money. So negotiations are about money. And it was, they did that. And the other thing too, I thought, the other part of the negotiation that I thought was incredible, which I didn't get, them paying the fines so they could have a more colorful shoe. Like, yeah, talk about yeah. dumb, old, white people <laughs> rules. And I'm, I love a white person. I love white people. But I've also belonged to some clubs, quote unquote, like huge <laughs> clubs run by old white people. Terrible. The worst, 51% white. Like, I just, it, and like, that's changed the game. Like, the, oh, we're going to pay that. Like, it just was very cool. I, I'm not to get totally off track, but. That was smart. Too. I've also, I heard it, in, in reality, the Chris Tucker character, Howard White, he was the one that actually made a real connection with the family. And so it was like, he was the one person that didn't come across as like this hard selling businessman to them. And like, he developed a relationship with Michael that the other people couldn't develop. Right. And so I think that played a part too, because Jordan like did not like Nike. Like he was like in the movie, they explained it. Like he was ready to go with Adidas. That was the shoe that he liked to wear. Um, And so, you know, I think uh, there's a few things that like, you know, we're very fortunate for Nike in that negotiation where they came up with a good idea. They were able to go the extra mile when it came to royalties on the shoe. And they also like had somebody that cultivated a relationship with Michael and the family, which is something the other, I think, you know, Adidas and Converse are kind of sitting back like, Hey, we have all the stars, you know, we're the cool street shoes. Like he's obviously going to come to us. Whereas like Nike went to them. Right. I think that's a big difference too. Well, quick side story. Um, Have you heard the story about the, the Curry Nike pitch? No, I haven't. <laughs> what happened? So he didn't, he, I think he signed with Adidas, right? I know he's not signed with Nike, but who, maybe it's Under Armour, but whoever he signed Under with. Nike. I don't know if that's his shoe, though. I don't, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, he's not affiliated with Nike, but the reason is because I mean, when he went in, uh, they, when they showed him his pitch deck, the presentation, it was him, but they forgot to change out the name. It had Kevin Durant in the name. <laughs> and uh, that's just oh, something I, I, I bet. That's bad. I work in sales. That comes up all the time. That's like a frequently told story in like my like world. Um, and like we laugh about it. But what I'm saying, I love like the fact that they made a movie about pitches, I just thought was really cool. Like, and it was like it was a sales pitch. And it's basically one a movie about one sales pitch. I thought the way they set it up, the way they like juxtaposed the, the three bidders, I thought it was really well done. I, I just thought that was a really cool element of it. Uh, right back and we are back from our break um you know we one thing i will say yeah it just at sometimes it felt like a little i don't know sanctimonious is too strong but yeah, like I mean, like Matt Damon, like gushing over basketball, but like I, I don't know, like it was. There were parts of it. I mean, the part that I actually found the cheesiest was when, like, he like they're in the office after the deal, and then he kind of does this victorious, like we just signed Michael Jordan, and it's like 
everybody starts cheering. I was just like, I didn't like that came across very. I don't know. I just thought it was cheesy, and I was like, that's not how an office really operates. <laughs> no, and also that was a problem I had. They were acting like the they kept acting like everyone knew how good he was, like that yeah, he was the yeah. best, and like he wasn't even the number one pick in the draft. Like that was what that was like. It, it, it I didn't fully understand. I, I just felt like there was like a little bit of a something was off for me between like how they were talking yeah. about him. And how they actually like react, how they had like him, his level of like, his level of public love literally just waxed and waned with what the story needed. Like, oh, everyone, oh, he's not that good at the beginning. The guy's like, oh, at the store. No, Michael Jordan, he's too small. No one's going to like him. That's the thing. And then, oh, it's Sonny. It's Sonny being like, I know better. And then as soon as they get him and Sonny tells him, everyone's like, Yay! Like we see it, we see it your way now, Sonny. Like that's not the way it would be. People would be like, "We should have gotten fucking Hakeem." Yeah, no, I agree. Like I, I agree. Like I don't think the common, like, and they illustrate that with the guy that's kind of like uh, the 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 clerk or whatever at the, at the convenience store. Yeah, where he's like, he says, you know, Jordan's too small. He's not going to happen. That body size isn't going to work in the NBA. Um, and but then like of course like at the end of the movie they go back to that guy and he's like oh I knew we should have taken him and it's like they're trying to make some point about like the common fan. Um, that was actually and I like that. I just don't yeah. believe that it would have happened that quickly. Like literally, yeah. like nobody like like it's he tells them and in that moment it switches. They're like oh we don't know Michael <laughs> Jordan yay. <laughs> I mean if they had done Sam Bowie who is the number two pick and he's like we just signed Sam Bowie like they would have had the same reaction right like nobody knew. Nobody knew why Bowie was going two and Jordan was going three. It's one of the biggest blunders ever now that we look back on it. But, like, at the time, that made sense to somebody. You know, it's like, you know, the the Pistons took Darko Milicic over Carmelo Anthony, and nobody really knows why still. But, like, that's something, like, at the time, that made sense to their management, right? So, like, there's all kinds of draft blunders like that that happen. Um, You're right. Like, nobody knew for sure that Michael Jordan was going to be what he became to be. Like, I – I think a lot of people, you know, like right now, right now, the, this guy, Wimbanyama, um, the, the Spurs just won the NBA lottery, right? They got the number one pick. By all accounts, Wimbanyama is the best NBA prospect since either LeBron James or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was Lou Alcindor back then. There has never been that much hype about it. I mean, people are saying that this guy is going to be the best player in the NBA within three years of him playing. Um I don't know that, like, again, like, I follow the NBA. I feel like I know a lot about basketball, but, like, I can't say that for a certainty. Like, I don't know what this guy, like, I don't know if he goes on the court and breaks an ankle, you know, in five games, or if he, maybe he is that. I mean, again, like, the fact that nothing is a certainty in, in, in draft. I mean, it, it happens in football, too. Like, people thought Ryan Leaf was going to be better than Peyton Manning, right? And, like, that was not the case. Um, I think we all have these ideas of certainties when we go into these drafts sometimes. And, like, Yes, I think we can know to a degree. Like, you know, I think we can all make good bets. When Patrick Ewing got drafted, like, I think a lot of people knew what he was going to be. Same with Hakeem. Like, it was very clear Hakeem had unbelievable footwork and size and was going to, like, play well in the NBA. So, like, it makes sense to me that Hakeem got drafted ahead of Jordan. But, I like I said, like, nobody knows. Nobody knows to a certainty about any of this stuff, you know? I mean, Mark Sanchez went fourth. <laughs> can you believe that many teams let him go? <laughs> I mean, Seth, Seth, I don't know if you knew this. He's the only NFL quarterback to be a jockey model. So, 
I, I mean, the the Niners traded up to get Trey Lance, and like I'm still sitting here like I don't know what Trey Lance is. Like, sure, you know. <laughs> no, I mean that's totally fair, and I I I I fully agree with that, and I think I, the movie does make that point. Um, yeah, I mean, they're just yeah, yeah that there's just a couple moments where I kind of. I mean, the, the the scene where Sonny Vaccaro is watching the the North Carolina game over and over again and watching Jordan's winning shot in the NCAA championship, very famous shot. It's like the first Jordan game winner. I've always kind of thought to myself, like, if Jordan had missed that shot, would he have made all the other ones later in his career, right? Like, did that one shot give him the confidence to always be that guy in that moment? Or was it just like, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe even if he had missed it, he still would have became what he became anyway. I don't know. But, like, the he, fact that he's watching that over and over again, and that's what makes him decide, like, this is going to be the best player ever, that's a fiction. Like, there's no, like, see, you can't watch one play over and over and make a call like that, you know what I mean? So I liked the conversation that he had with Phil, and I do realize like you want to have something like I, I like that they got some something from the historical record, right? But yeah, first of all, to your point, like that really like that's the one play, and the other thing, um, I like the other thing I was gonna say was um, oh shit, I did it just slip my mind, but like the what we what what we were just talking about the North Carolina shot. Oh, the thing with that, uh, yeah, no, like th- that can't be the one thing. There has to be something deeper about yeah, why. Yeah. And oh, the other thing I was to say, I feel like anyone else, you can have that question with Michael Jordan. I actually think you can make the argument he would have been better if he'd missed that first shot. Like maybe he's a better true, player. Yeah. Like maybe he would have motivated him. Yeah, exactly. Like maybe he's an even better player, which is scary to think about. But like that's that's the one. No, but like it's just, yeah. Yeah. There was stuff like I I do I did find myself thinking like I wanted the like the real of like other like I wanted all the basketball cameos in there like I wanted to see all the other college coaches like talk about him at that time right like where's Bobby Knight giving his breakdown of Michael Jordan like that stuff I think would have played where's well the barbershop talk where's like yeah, why aren't yeah. they at the courts talking like why aren't they like I thought there'd be a scene where it's like he's at the he's picking up like gum or something he's like listening I always do this I don't mean to rewrite it but I literally just do this like. <laughs> trying to like to i'm not rewriting it but to just literally kind of like show like what i envision or like what i hope like have him overhear kids talking about michael jordan like yeah you have the scene of him talking to the guy at the beginning of the end of bookend i get that but like why to your point i I just wish if there's an area to flesh out why you're picking jordan i think it makes sense to kind of like have those scenes and like maybe it's not him overhearing something maybe it's more direct maybe it's him talking to your point like a scout the the idea too that like you'd make this decision without talking to Dean Smith, like his coach, uh, yeah, at North Carolina, like I, you know that's a phone call you would make, right? So <laughs> that was that was what I didn't get. He's like, oh, you know why Dean Smith put the ball in his hands? Because he knew the same thing that the transfer knew that Michael Jordan's going to be great. And it's like, well, do you know what's great? Calling Dean Smith and getting him <laughs> on the phone. Freaking make get Stanley Tucci as your guest star. You got ninety million dollars. Like, like call James Worthy too. Like that's his teammate, right? Like let's see what James Worthy yeah. thinks about. It. You know, I, like those were kind of like things I would have thrown in, so that it's not just so inside the Nike office with those dudes kind of just talking to each other. I guess the film, the film got stuck in that setting. That it got and yeah. by the by the end by the third act, it felt a little. It was like for lack of a better term.
like I did. I like the characters that like I liked. I mean, I haven't seen Chris Tucker in a movie in a while, and I kind of liked that he like came back out and was playing this kind of like, you know, charismatic character. Um, and you're right too. Like I liked the guy that was like the shoe designer. Like I thought that was cool. Where they go down to the basement and like they actually see where they're making the shoes and stuff. Like I liked all of that kind of stuff. Me too. Uh, it was it was a it was a good movie. Yeah, Chris Tucker's been in three movies since 2012. Silver Linings Playbook, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, and then Air. Oh, and he's been in Rush what... Hour 4, baby. <laughs> I'm not it. sure what that's about, though. Like, he was solid in the movie. Like, he, you know, I think... I think, I think he, he, apparently he, he walked away. I guess so. He's a big personality, but, like, I also think he's still a solid, like, actor. Like, he could still be in stuff and, you know, pop in here. and Like, he doesn't have to be... A leading character. I thought he was. I thought he was very well cast, actually, in this movie. Um, and so I don't know. I don't know why he's. Uh, maybe he did walk away for a little bit. I'm up for Rush Hour. What is it? Four or five? <laughs> four. I mean, he won a Screen Actors Guild Award for Silver Linings Playbook, and he waited five years to make another movie. He's a really good actor. I really like Chris Tucker. It's weird. Yeah, I don't know what he's uh, been up to. But you're right. Like a talented guy. I, I wish he'd be in more movies. I guess. Come back to us, Chris. <laughs> um yeah anything else you want to talk about any other characters questions um i don't know there's not it's like it's a, it's an odd movie is that like oh yeah one of the other things i was going to mention too is like they don't ever show michael jordan as like oh. an actor in the movie and like i know that was yeah. a conscious decision by Affleck. i think he said he didn't think that any that the the viewers would buy any actors actually being Michael Jordan because he's too iconic of a person. And so he only wanted archival footage of Jordan and didn't want to show the actor's face. What did you think I about actually that? like that. Yeah. I, I knew that going in and I'm actually glad you brought that up. That was actually on my list. I'm sorry. Um, I knew that going in. I liked it. Ultimately I thought it, it could have been a distraction. It would have put a lot of pressure on that person um yeah what and i don't think it really would have made sense so i actually think it was the right move um i do get what people would not like it but to me to me it makes sense and it's kind of weird it's like don't don't show him like don't say his name like it's not like a thing of reverence i think it's more like practical it's, you want if he's in it he's a character you have and michael jordan yeah. is like if there's one thing and not at this point he's a young man but the one thing we know about michael jordan like and the film never even goes into that. If there's a gripe, it's about some of the side effects of having that type of insane competitive nature and like what that can do to the people around you and your teammates. And, uh, <laughs> but like, not that it doesn't need to be that film. Uh, it's, I get, I don't expect it to be that film. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, I thought it was a good decision too. Um, you know, the, the other people in the movie are real people, but like they're not known public figures really. And so I thought it was, I thought it was a pretty solid decision to kind of play it that way. Um, By the way, quick, quick side note, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry to uh, cut you off here. Uh, I, I actually think I figured out why uh, Chris Tucker might have retired. Well, what, did he not pay his taxes or something? <laughs> no, uh, quite the contrary. Uh, he made $45 million in salary on the last two Rush Hour movies. And then he got 30% of 260 million box office. So you got a percentage on the box office of the movie? 30% of Rush Hour 3. I've never seen that before. Gosh. So 
he went he got a basically I mean he got $135 million. His bank account got a $135 million boost in like three years. So yeah, I, I get that he kind of pulled back. <laughs> That's a good score. I didn't I did not realize he made that. I mean, I knew I remember he had a quote sometime where he was like, I made nothing on Friday, but I made everything on like my rush hour movies. But I always thought that meant like, okay, you made like 20, 50 million. I didn't realize it was like 130 million. Damn, Chan received 15% of box office revenue, as well as distribution rights in China and Hong Kong. His earnings came to 53. Wow. <laughs> that's awesome, though. That's that's great they're getting all that money. Yeah, good for those guys. Good to, and like, they're going to do it again, apparently. So, Hey, they're all making money. That's the other thing, like the shoes, like, oh, can't give them 10%, we'll never make money. You're doing just fine. Like, Well, I was going to ask you this, too, actually, like, do you think do you think Nike invested in this movie? Like it was kind of like a two hour Nike commercial, also, right? I felt like they had to. Like the way yeah. it was very like I they did to paint Phil Knight as a little weird, but it's I'm assuming they had to just from like a legal standpoint, even if they're allowed to make it, like Nike lawyers, like that's it. I have to imagine Phil Knight just has the clout in Hollywood to get this squashed if he wanted to. Yeah. Um, with the, well, I mean, the movie itself is very pro Nike, though. And pro Jordan. I mean, it's like, it's not like they're, it didn't make me be like, oh, I don't want to buy, you know, Nike shoes or something. No, to be honest, I, it ha- they have to be involved because it's Air Jordan. They're yeah. talking about the product. So they, yeah. so I think, yes, they're involved. And I think that is probably. I'm not saying Ben Affleck wanted to make like a different movie, but I also think that might be why it's so pro Nike. Yeah, for sure. I also think that if, I mean, if you get Nike involved, it's got to make it easier to make the actual movie, you know, where yeah, it's like right. you have the marketing inside of the movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's smart. The movie's well made, and so then normally this is where I'd complain that it didn't make enough money because it only made ninety million. But like this is a film that could be that like this gives me hope. There's no reason this couldn't have been like a thirty-five million dollar film. That like yeah. maybe with a different few actors, but after watching this film, I just I liked it, and I also I'm glad it made money in the box office and just keep making more of these movies, Hollywood slash Amazon. Well, I have to like you know I think Damon and Affleck. I think their personal relationship has had some ups and downs, but like now they've done Last Duel and they've done this together. I think Damon said this was one of his most enjoyable movies that he's ever made. Um, and so I actually think they should keep collaborating. Like, I think Affleck's a good director. I think they both have chops acting. And so I, I kind of hope that, the, like, again, I don't think it's me being nostalgic about the Good Will Hunting days, but, like, I think they they should keep collaborating. Like, they're both, like, good talents. And, like, I think, I don't think this is an amazing movie. I think it was, like, a solid movie. But I do think that, like, if they keep collaborating, they might come up with something that's, like, pretty, pretty good. Goodwill Hunting, and I'm a little insulted. <laughs> Goodwill Hunting, you ever see School Ties, my friend? That's the original, the original Matt Damon Ben Affleck project. Starring my boyfriend. Like Damon Damon's good in School Ties. He's kind of overlooked in that movie. That movie is so good. Like, oh, <laughs> it's so good. Um, no, it's I, I. I want them to collaborate too. I like them. They also bring out the best in each. Like, I'm. This, yeah, they I'm, do. I'm not saying this from like a soft lovey dovey. Oh, best friends. I'm saying it from like a fan point. Like they bring out the best in each other. 
taking a quick break and we'll be right back. And we are back from our break. Is this movie better with Kevin Smith playing Michael Jordan? <laughs> I no, say, I'm, I'm this kidding. movie would not be better if Kevin Smith directed instead of Affleck. And so, again, hats off to Affleck for kind of finding his niche directorially. And you know, like, that, this isn't even one of his best movies as a director. You know, no, I mean it's weird. Affleck has surpassed to your point. Affleck has surpassed Kevin Smith, which is very weird given where their careers started. I mean, I think it's also I think he surpassed Gus Van Sant, who made Good Will Honey. Like it's it's interesting to see where Ben Affleck is now, and like I'm really excited because. He can direct for 40 more years. Like, he could keep doing this, so which is awesome. And so, I'm excited. I like this movie. I'm glad it did well. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, we got to apologize play? about it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else for you? I don't know. Should they do a Bo Jackson movie or something? Is that the only way you'd get, like, a sequel to this? I love Bo Jackson. He's just such <laughs> No, he's like, I feel like he's like a modern day, like, folklore. Like he's just for athlete, like he's the man. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, there probably should be a Bo Jackson film. Um, like his comeback, there actually there should be. That's the next. I'd watch it. Me too. Actually, you know, that should be a ten part series. Oh, because you do football, the baseball, and then you can do like the injury, the recovery, back to baseball. And yeah. now he's a bow hunter, and he can, like, shoot a bow with his feet. And I know you think I'm lying. I'm not. He's, like, fully – it's incredible. I would say one of my favorite things to do – there's a lot of, like, like amazing Bo Jackson highlights to watch. But, like, anytime I see him throwing from the outfield, I'm always just, like, it's unbelievable how hard he could throw a baseball. Um, he's fun to watch. Watching him is like watching a video game. It just Yeah, like, he is. Oh. Yeah. It's – I remember, like, in sports, there – it's – Sometimes people move in a way, and it's it's hard to translate to a screen, especially when you're talking about '90s VHS screen. But like, <laughs> you can see him move, and it's like I, this is gonna sound lame, but the only way to describe it's like liquid. Like it just is so fast, it's like literally moving differently. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna shut up. All right, air. Great movie. <laughs> <laughs> Great movie. It was fun. Yeah. Again, I think there could kind of be I don't know an equal one of my favorite terms now, or like a, a sequel-ish kind of thing if you wanted to do a different athlete. But I think they, you know, this was the story about how shoe the shoe business, especially, you know, really changed um, at this moment. And I thought they captured it. I think the movie could have been better. I think there could have been a love interest and stuff. But again, it was a fun to watch. I liked it more than Tetris. <laughs> yeah, I liked it more than Tetris. It was good. Good, good film. Well-made. Um. Yeah, I want them to make more. I, I like the Jason Bateman character. The one thing I was, I was expecting a little more from Jason Bateman. He was a little forgettable yeah. in this. Uh, I, I'd like a little more something from him. But he was kind of like the, really he was kind of like the brakes to to Damon's gas or something. And it was like he was always trying to slow it up a little bit. I guess. So you're right. Like that character. Not sure. Almost seemed like they overcast with Bateman in that role. Yeah, that's what I I kind of felt the same way because there wasn't quite enough tension between him and Damon. For them yeah. to be like rivals, and there wasn't a ton of like love either. Like I didn't fully under. It was just weird. It felt like they had a professional relationship, which I'm sure it was. 
but it's right. weird to like focus on that in this context no i fully agree yeah it's like okay they had a good working relationship and it's like okay yeah. that's not like movie material really <laughs> yeah that's that's great that's literally what makes the world go around that's not, <laughs> even in a movie about business it's not really like worthwhile like focusing that much on <laughs> but uh, well what do i know i'm uh i'm talking about the film so clearly clearly ben, ben knows what he's doing <laughs> Right. Ready, ready to wrap up. Ready, ready to. Yeah. Um, a score, I'm gonna give it a six and a half. Um, oh. Fun to watch. Viola Davis should, you know, I, probably the best performance in the movie. I thought I did think the best moments were between Affleck and Damon, um, but again, like I think the movie only had so much potential, um, and so I thought they got the majority of the potential out of it. Maybe it could have been, you know, a few points better if they had done a few different things. I think you're definitely there. You're 100% right. They're missing romantic interests, not even like a romantic story, but just some type of more feminine energy outside of Viola, yes. Viola Davis, who's great, but she has a she has a maternal energy in this film. Yes, yes. and like we don't actually really see her. We we don't actually see her with Michael, like really. Um, but needed more of that sense. I really liked the Messina Damon thing. I, th- I thought the, that was good. Yeah, that was good stuff. He brought the humor. I thought the chemistry with the cast was great. Um, and the, as I said before, like the film was really, it's about a pitch. It's about, it's about a sales pitch and it works really well and a negotiation and it's exciting. I really liked it. I'm gonna give it like a 7.2 out of 10. Um, yeah. I thought, I thought between the act, good acting, good story, two thumbs up. Nice. Cool. Well, I guess that does. <laughs> Let's talk about Kevin Smith again for another two hours. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think I think we gotta say goodbye to our friends. <laughs> goodbye, friends.